Greetings Northlings and welcome to Haunted Up North, the so absolutely amazing I just blew myself podcast dedicated to the telling of real life paranormal experiences from the north of the UK. Again, the first person who understands that reference gets a free Haunted Up North sticker sheet, while stocks last of course. (laughs) Just joking, I have loads of them. Um, huh. Apologies, the listener, that this episode is even later than usual. The last one was even later than usual as well, because I was busy watching Bridgerton, and this one is late, because I was, uh, running up that road, running up that hill, watching Stranger Things. (laughs) Stranger Things Series 4, and, of course, the premiere of Disney's Obi-Wan. Lots of things all happened at the same time, which is why I've been quite tardy. (laughs) Turdy. Tardy. And anyone who knows me well knows how much I love Stranger Things, so they'll doubly, doubly, doubly understand. It's just brilliant. The aesthetics, the monsters, the characters, the homages, if that's even a word, and of course, the 80s. Love it. I love it. I want it. I want to eat it. Anyway, welcome, welcome to episode number 14. Unlucky for... Oh, wait, that doesn't work. Uh, episode number 14. Thanks for coming back. Thank you. May your chimneys be always swept and forever free of surprise skeletons. We're going to be telling some tales about Carlisle Railway Station today, but before we do, I'd just like to say a little sorry. For during the last episode's stories about Chillingham Castle in Northumberland, I referred to Sky Living's Most Haunted as BBC's Most Haunted. I was thinking of BBC's Ghostwatch from the 90s, the mockumentary masterpiece. I think I've already mentioned it on here before. I think. Somewhere. I mentioned it somewhere. Was it on episode number 11 about the West Horton poltergeist? Or was it a Patreon? I don't know. But I am sorry for getting that wrong. It's not BBC, it's Sky Living. Well, it was Sky Living, then it was really. And now Most Haunted have got their own YouTube channel, which is great. And I did go and ruddy well add their Chillingham Castle episode to the Very Scary VT playlist on the Haunted Up North YouTube channel. So if you haven't already taken a look and would like to, please do. Another thing I didn't get quite right was with regards to my anecdote about an encounter involving, potentially, the ghost of the Radiant Boy, who's rumoured to haunt Chillingham Castle, and a wrinkled rug that I found on Northumberland-based photographer Frogman Photos, all one word, Frogman Photos Instagram feed. I presumed it to have took place inside the pink room where the ghost boy is said to manifest, but this apparently happened in the Edward I room. And if you'd like to know more about that, listen to episode number 13. Unlucky for some. Yes. Episode number 13 about the ghosts of Chillingham Castle. But yeah, it was the Edward I stateroom, not the pink room. Okay. Frogman Photos also told me that Chillingham Castle's torture chamber, the room that's marketed as the torture chamber, isn't actually the torture chamber. Frogman Photos is... uh, I might stop calling him that. His name's Phil (laughs) Horry. His Instagram handle is Frogman Photos. 
but Phil Horry is a personal friend of Sir Humphrey Wakefield, the current owner of the castle, so he heard this information firsthand, and apparently the real torture chamber is the room beneath the tea room, which is the minstrel's hall where the big witcher fire is. So yeah, that was the real torture chamber. But this room beneath the minstrel's hall, that's the actual real deal torture chamber. Say torture chamber again, Vic. Torture chamber. When Sir Humphrey Wakefield opened this torture chamber up, he was repulsed by something he experienced down there. I don't know what, um, but he was so affected by it that he decided to seal it up and open up another tourist attraction that he, I don't know, called the torture chamber instead. But that's quite freaky, isn't it? Frogman says to Phil Horry, <laughs> says that he has a recording of two disembodied voices talking in the Grey Room, otherwise known as Grey's Apartment, of Chillingham, which would be amazing to listen to. But thanks, Phil Horry, for all that info, and thanks as well, another thanks, to my good friend and designer extraordinaire, Kerry Sperling, who very kindly sent me some pictures of what seem very much like orbs in photographs she took in Chillingham Castle herself. Anyone who follows me on Instagram or Twitter may have already noticed these floating around on their newsfeed, but if you have, or you're going to, have a look later on, after this, or during, who knows, let us know what you think these floating circles are. I also uploaded my rather wobbly orb video from inside the chapel. It's a very small orb. I don't know if anyone caught it, but if, if, in, if indeed it is an orb, I don't know. But it's there as well if you fancy squinting your eyes in confusion at it. I also had a message from Time Mouth Therapies on Instagram to say that she visited Chillingham Castle around 16 years ago, and although she didn't see or feel anything strange while she was there, she does have in her possession a photograph taken of her by her then-partner standing above the Rose Garden, and in this photograph is a strange red anomaly over on one side of the image, which she swears wasn't her partner's uh, finger accidentally straying into frame or anything like that. But much later on, she was told by a medium that Lady Mary Berkeley, one of the ghosts we mentioned last time, likes to follow women about as they walk through the castle grounds, and that she can often appear in photographs as a mysterious red haze. So perhaps Time Mouth Therapies captured the apparition of Lady Mary Berkeley on film as she stood above the Rose Garden. Very interesting to hear that, especially considering the intel I was given by the guide, the Chillingham Castle guide that I spoke to when I visited, uh, the, the information that he gave me about him having witnessed the apparition of a lady over by the fireplace in the Great Hall, followed by the strange scent of roses. Kind of all adds up, doesn't it? But anyway, thank you. Thank you to everybody. And thank you to Time Mouth Therapies, and that was a great bit of supernatural storytelling there. Do let us know if you find the picture, because I would very much like to see it. But no pressure. If you don't want to share it, it's fine. Although I do want to see it, but it's fine. Let me see it. But don't worry.
So I've already touched upon the subject of haunted railway stations and railway lines in the Haunted Some More Patreon episode, The Ghosts of Clayton Tunnel and other stories, where I talk about the spooks that have been spotted in and around the infamous Clayton Tunnel, West Sussex scene of the devastating 1861 Clayton Tunnel crash that went on to help inspire the creation of Charles Dickens's Ghost Story, The Signalman, published in 1866. In that episode, I talk about the paranormal experiences of people who've encountered various apparitions upon this site, and I also tell a few scary tales from supposed haunted railway stations down south. So if you fancy a bit of that in your ears, sign up for our Patreon feed, and that's exactly what you'll get. We're building our Patreon up quite nicely. At the moment, we don't just have tales about haunted southern railway lines. We've got other terrifying topics too, such as the Stanley Hotel, some Bronte bonus stories, an interview with my dad about his paranormal encounters, some bedtime tales from the Masters of Victorian Supernatural short story writing, the Legend of Sawney Bean, the trial of Arnie Cheyenne Johnson, the Perrin family haunting... Great British Bigfoot Tales, Bobby Mackey's Music World, and a bit of Jack the Ripper for you, and of course, inspired by our most recent alien-themed episode about the Falkirk Triangle, some Phoenix Lights fantasticness with Martin and I. I haven't listed every single one, um, because there will be more, but if you fancy having a look, you can see what's on there, even if you're not a Patreon patron. It might not be for you, but if it is, it's basically just more of this kind of stuff that you get on Haunted Up North, but not as limited to the Up North theme. I talk about tales from everywhere. So if you're from everywhere, there might be something in that feed that perhaps resonates with you. But yes, I've told a few stories about railways before, but today I've got a British Northern station in my sights and... As you'll know already from reading the title of this episode, this railway station is Carlisle Railway Station. I've personally spent quite a bit of time in this station in the days where I would sometimes, instead of driving, if I didn't fancy driving on the odd occasion, for whatever reason, go and visit my folks in southwest Scotland by train. You have to change in Carlisle to get the train up to Dumfries, so I know it quite well. And I also had a friend at university who was absolutely obsessed with Carlisle football team. (laughs) I don't know what the proper name for Carlisle football team is, but you know, Carlisle football team. He got a lot of joy from being one of Carlisle football team's biggest supporters. So Carlisle also makes me think of him as well as making me think of going to visit my parents. He was called Doily. Not his real name, so I think I'm okay to reveal it. Doily. He was made entirely of doilies. And footballs. But for anyone unfamiliar with Carlisle, Carlisle is a city in Cumbria, England, often referred to as a border city, as it's eight miles away from the Scottish border. It was originally a Roman settlement, established to serve the forts on Hadrian's Wall. Hadrian's Wall is a former defensive fortification that's around 73 miles in length and was built by the Romans during the reign of Hadrian in AD 122. (laughs) Is it AD 122 or AD 122? (laughs) Whatevs. It was built during the reign of Hadrian across the width of Britain 
The wall marked the boundary between the conquered bits of the island we now call Britain and the non-conquered bits. It's not a Scottish-English border. The wall very much lies in northern England and there's still quite a bit of it left, but yeah. Carlisle City is eight miles from the Scottish border where it is now, today. Wahey! It's got a castle, a cathedral, and some semi-intact city walls. A citadel and some cool medieval buildings, along with all the other stuff you get in cities like pubs and restaurants and things like that. Next to the citadel is Carlisle Railway Station, the object of this episode's desire. It was designed by William Tite. <laughs> I think that's how you say his name. It's spelt T-I-T-E, so I presume it's not pronounced Tite. Carlisle Railway Station was designed by Mr. T, who also designed the London Stock Exchange, by the way, um, in the Neo-Tudor style, and it's considered by Historic England to be one of the most important early railway stations in England. I have a really good book called Britain's 100 Best Railway Stations by Simon Jenkins, which we actually won on the People's Postcode Lottery. It's got some lovely photos of old British railway stations, such as King's Cross, obviously, in England, London, Canary Wharf, Bristol Temple Meads, Liverpool Lime Street, Glasgow Central, York, and lots of lovely train stations. Those are just a few, but Carlisle's in there too, and like I said, I love looking through it because I've spent a lot of my life looking up at railway roofs. Roofs? Or just sitting, waiting on benches with a sandwich. <laughs> but, you know, a snack or something like that before your train's due in. It's, uh, it's, you've, you've got no option but to sit and take time out, as you do when you're travelling on a train, I guess. It's like a forced mindfulness exercise, and some of my fondest moments have been sitting in train stations, particularly in smaller ones that are a little bit more off the beaten track, like Carnforth and even Lancaster. Lancaster's a little bit out of the city, walkable distance, or out in the sticks, like Ribblehead those kinds of train stations, so I'm reminded of moments such as those when I'm looking through that book, The Britain's 100 Best Railway Stations by Simon Jenkins. It's also come in quite handy for this episode, so thank you, Mr. J. Shout out to you, my friend. There's actually a famous scene from the 1945 film Brief Encounter that was filmed in Carnforth Station, which is a David Lean film starring Cecilia Johnson and Trevor Howard. The nearest train line to me in Haworth is the Keithley and Worth Valley Railway, and Haworth Station, and Oakworth Station, actually, which I've mentioned before, is where a lot of the railway children movie scenes have been filmed, both from the new 2022 one and the 1971. In fact, most of those two productions were filmed around Haworth, and I even got to witness a bit of the filming for myself. But Keithley train station, just a few miles away, often appears in scenes from Peaky Blinders, another show that's filmed quite heavily around areas of West Yorkshire. In part. not I don't mean to say quite heavily, but whatever, you know, you know what I'm trying to say. But we're not here to talk about me. We're here to talk about Carlisle Railway Station, aren't we? I presume it's not pronounced Tite. Carlisle Railway Station, or Carlisle Citadel as it's otherwise called due to its close proximity to the city's citadel, is a Grade 2 listed railway station in Court Square, Carlisle, 
and it officially opened on September the 10th, 1847. It's got a very grand frontage. It looks kind of like a Victorian institution, but I don't mean that as a necessarily bad thing aesthetically. That's, that's the kind of thing I like looking at. Show me the frontage of any Victorian psychiatric hospital, and I'll show you how effectively I can drool at it. What a horrible image! <laughs> That's nice for you, isn't it? So not only does it look cool and creepy, but also grand and majestic, it's been voted by Virgin Railway staff. I don't know in which form this vote took place, but the word is, on the railway gossip line, that it is particularly haunted by ghosts. Strange, inexplicable incidents and spectres have been encountered at Carlisle Station for decades, including the apparition of a headless man on Platform 8, a veiled lady who stalks the corridors, a boy with a little dog, a murderous butcher, a messenger who was killed on his bike, and a middle-aged man who points at something presumably unseen. As in, I don't think anyone can see what he's pointing at. In 1879, two deaths occurred at Carlisle Station on the very same day, including the tragic demise of a man who fatally fell from a roof as he was repairing it. It's also the scene of two train collisions that may be responsible for some of the ghosts that have been spotted inside it. The first collision happened in June 1961, when a light engine and freight train... Freight? Freight train? Let's say it's freight train. A light engine and freight train crashed beneath Colgate Road Bridge. The second occurred in May 1984 when a freight train ran headlong into the River Colgate Bridge at Denton Holm, in the process completely destroying it. Ever since, there have been numerous reports of hauntings about the grounds of Carlisle Station, including a young boy who wanders about the station with tears in his eyes who was thought to be the spirit of a collision victim still searching for his parents. Although staff and passengers alike have been spooked by scary goings-on throughout various parts of the building, most activity, both supernatural and investigative, during the numerous paranormal investigations undertaken at Carlisle Station, centres around a series of underground rooms stretching out beneath the station called the Undercroft. The Undercroft, as described by Mysterious Britain, is one of Carlisle's most secret places, a vast network of dusty rooms and corridors shrouded in gloom. Covering several acres, the railway station's sprawling series of little-known and cavernous rooms and tunnels was created in 1847 when the station was built on slum clearance land known as the Fever Pit. This underground space has provided many uses in its time, including a paraffin lamp store, staff accommodation, garages, a buffet room, a butcher's room with hooks for hanging meat, and a foot warmer room from the days when you could hire foot warmers for unheated carriages. Speaking of the Undercroft, in October 2014, Stuart Davidson, customer experience manager at Liverpool Station, said, I have seen very strange things at Carlisle Station, particularly in the Undercroft tunnels under the station itself. The most memorable was seeing two men's faces and a little boy with a dog appearing in a red mist. I've also seen objects thrown from nowhere, B 
being kicked by a seemingly invisible person and heard voices I can't explain. Most people won't venture into parts of the Undercroft. The officers upstairs are bad enough for some. It's very dark and not the most pleasant place to be on your own. Group station manager Sue, I think she's a lady called Sue Howarth if I'm correct. Please if I'm not correct, correct me by email or social media. As I, I, I quite enjoy people doing that, actually. So bring it on. Brrr. Group station manager, Sue Howarth, presumably, at Carlisle Station. She has herself been subjected to some pretty eerie experiences of her own inside the Undercroft. And she says, There are unexplained drafts that seem to come up from the floor and blow in your face. A real feeling of being watched and not alone. And doors that open and close down an empty corridor. Rumour has it, or it, it may not be a rumour, but a fact, uh, there's, a, there's a room inside the Undercroft called the Cold Store, which is a room where the bodies of soldiers were stored during the war. I'm not sure which war, because there's been, well, a lot of wars. It's, uh, you don't, it doesn't have to be a world war to be a, a horrible war, but there's been two world wars. Usually world wars are referred to as the war. I don't need to tell you this. <laughs> but basically, I'm not sure which war. There's been two big world wars since Carlisle Station has been built. However, the presence of past soldier bodies is still quite harrowing and an unsettling thought to be around, isn't it? If I was standing in a room that I knew there'd been a lot of deceased bodies lying in, I think I would find that quite eerie in itself. Although I'm not really sure whether a ghost would haunt a place where its body's been, you know, after death has occurred already. What do you think? Because graveyards are notoriously considered to be haunted places, aren't they? But it depends on what you think a ghost might be, doesn't it? I won't deny that graveyards are creepy because of the knowledge of there being skeletons beneath your feet, but I'm not sure about ghostly manifestations. Not ghosts of the already dead, anyway. You'd think they would haunt the places that they remembered while they were alive, wouldn't you? But graveyards are a hotbed of emotion, so I sometimes wonder if the ghosts spotted inside them are ghosts of those visiting graves rather than the grave dwellers themselves. But I mean, who knows? Perhaps a spirit, for anyone who believes in that kind of thing, lingers around its body for longer than presumed after death. It's not really a topic I can boast much knowledge of, but I'll probably find out one day when it's my turn. <laughs> But until then, just an idle wondering about the presence of apparitions and the bodies they once inhabited. There is the odd Undercroft ghost tour organised for charity now and again, most notably in a 2014 Halloween night paranormal investigation frequented by Chloe Hamilton of The Independent, led by paranormal investigator Barry Guy from the Ghostfinder Paranormal Society, where one member of this ghost hunting group felt a ghostly hand stroke her hair, while another felt something unseen tug his trouser leg. Dirty. There was some talk back in 2017 of converting the Undercroft into an arts and entertainment venue, but I'm not sure whether that's still happening or whether it's been momentarily put on hold. I think as of 2021 there are some developments planned for Carlisle Station, but I'm not sure if it currently involves the Undercroft. The city of Bradford here in the UK did something similar a few years back by converting a load of old Victorian tunnels into an underground retail space called Sunbridge Wells. It's a really fun and interesting place to visit, so I do hope they manage to do something wonderful like that with the Undercroft. As long as the ghosts don't mind. 
Did you know, though? Actually, you do know, because I mentioned it earlier. Ugh, idiot. Did you know, yes you do, that Carlisle also has a castle? Well, it does. And we like castles here, on Haunted Up North, which is why, even though this is supposed to be an episode about Carlisle train station, I'm gonna talk to you about it. Bring it on. Rrr. Carlisle Castle is about 15 minutes walk from the station, and it's over 900 years old. That's like a thousand years old. That's almost as old as my grandma. Due to it being on the border between two historically feuding nations, it's been the site of many wars and invasions, and it was also, interestingly, the last English fortress to undergo a siege. Naughty siege. Back in your bed. It was first built in 1093 during the reign of William II of England, who was son of William the Conqueror, famous invader of 1066, which seems like ages ago now as a modern Bailey-style construction to keep the northern English border secure against the threat of Scottish invasion. And in 1122, Henry I ordered a stone castle to be constructed, during which time a keep and city walls were built. After 1746, the castle became somewhat neglected, and in the 19th century, some parts were demolished for use as raw materials. Blummin' raw materials. But after that, it was left looking pretty much as it appears today. Carlisle Castle, in its nine centuries long life, as stated, is riddled with violent histories and battles, and it was still a working fortress up until fairly recently, as it was the depot of the King's own Royal Border Regiment until 1959, and the county headquarters to the Duke of Lancaster's regiment till 2019. However, most excitingly, for me anyway, Mary Queen of Scots herself was incarcerated there by Queen Elizabeth I in 1568. And you know what the second most interesting thing, for me anyway, is? The second most interesting thing is that, like Carlisle Railway Station, it is also haunted. Oh my god. Most haunted have been there too, so it must be. I swear, by the way, I'm not sponsored by Most Haunted. I mention Most Haunted a lot, because they've been to so many haunted British sites and buildings, so it's inevitable that I'll reference them quite a bit. Plus, we must never forget that they were the original pioneers of paranormal reality TV series. Series You know, because it, it started off way back in 2002, so I personally owe it a lot for entertaining me throughout most of my adult life, which is also why I talk about it so much. You could say BBC's Ghostwatch started the whole thing off, really, ten years before that, in 1992, but the Brits were representing for a good while, previous to when that kind of show suddenly became massive. Not that it's a competition. I'm merely explaining about my most haunted love. <laughs> but back to haunted Carlisle Castle stuff. According to greatcastles.com, quoting an author named Richard Jones from his book Haunted Castles of Britain and Ireland, in the 1830s, during the construction of a parade ground and barracks, demolition work uncovered the skeleton of a lady bricked into one of the keep's second-story walls. Three rings upon the bony digits of her fingers and remnants of her silk tartan dress were evident. There were no clues to her identity, although there was considerable speculation that she may have been walled up alive. The opening of her tomb, however, appears to have roused her revenant, for in 1842, a sentry on guard duty in the keep, 
challenged the figure of a woman who approached him in the early hours of one morning. As she ignored him, he shouted to rouse his fellow guardsmen, then, raising his bayonet, he charged at the figure. Just as he reached her, the woman simply melted into thin air, whereupon the soldier fainted clean away. Although his comrades did manage to revive him, such was the shock to his system that having told them what had happened, he promptly fell back and died. Oh, that's a good story though, isn't it? It won't surprise you, there's a most haunted episode of Carlisle Castle, I'll add it to the YouTube playlist, although I'm, I'm slightly worried that the very scary VT playlist is just becoming a copy of Most Haunted's YouTube channel. So I'll have a think about whether I should really do that or not, but in the meantime you can search for it, deep within yourself Clarice Starling, on YouTube. It's called Murder and Mayhem in Carlisle Castle by Most Haunted. On there, they talk about the dark, ghostly shapes of imprisoned Jacobites attacking unwelcomed visitors, and the spirit of a sergeant from the 1800s who still reportedly haunts the castle to this day. But in Carlisle, scary stories about ghosts, ghouls and apparitions aren't limited to castles and railway stations alone. Oh no. Dirty. If you take a glance at Paranormal Database, you'll find there's been a lot of spooky stuff that's been documented throughout the last two centuries or so. For example, in 1868 on Brown Lane, opposite Carlisle Cathedral, a pair of persons watched a little man wearing brightly coloured clothes and silver shoe buckles appear, then disappear into apparently thin air. An old woman wearing grey was once said to haunt the Citadel restaurant, as well as a tall black shape that would emerge through a wall, then pour itself onto the ground. On the 24th of May, 1964, a man named Jim Templeton, whilst taking family photographs in an area of coastal marshland, northwest of the city, caught the image of a white figure wearing a spacesuit floating behind his daughter, when no body of this sort was visible during the time the picture was taken. In the Friars Tavern, now called the Thin White Duke, on Devonshire Street, a secret tunnel connecting the pub to the cathedral is haunted by something unseen that travels between the two locations, emitting a series of strange sounds and knocks throughout. In the 1970s, on Norfolk Road, a man greeted a woman wearing old-fashioned clothes he found inside a block of private flats. Instead of replying to his greeting, she ignored him and promptly walked into another room. Upon later entering the room himself, he found that it was empty and, not only that, it had been padlocked shut for a number of years. In Raffles, it's a suburb of Carlisle called Raffles, the inhabitants of a residence on Mardell Road fled their home in September 2007 after cold spots, flying household items and the sound of a child sobbing at night began to terrorise the family. In Simply Food and Drinks on Durnhill Road, Botchaby, a white blob was captured on CCTV on the 2nd of March 2010, leaving and entering the premises multiple times over the space of a few hours. And in Goshen Road, the ghost of a Victorian servant who, when maintenance was being carried out on a fireplace, was heard to call out, The master burnt my hand in there, is said to haunt a private residence there. The final story I'll leave you with is another pertaining to Carlisle Station which brings us nicely back to the subject matter with which we started, 
And it's of a diesel train, a a train that operates on the Carlisle line. It's referred to as diesel loco. (laughs) I guess that's locomotive. Loco 37069. And this train was supposedly haunted by a driver who was killed by a flying object. I don't know what. A flying object that crashed through the train window and fatally injured him. The apparition of this man has appeared on numerous occasions and sometimes the train horn is said to suddenly blow, unaided by human hand. The story about the figure in a spacesuit is quite a famous one. It's called the Solway Firth Spaceman and it's creepy AF. It's an image I'll most defs upload to social media because it is particularly compelling. The guy I mentioned there, Jim Templeton, he's a fireman, photographer and local historian and he took this picture in the mid-60s near... near... (laughs) near Berg... do you say it like Bergby Sands or is it Bergby Sands? B-U-R-G-H by Sands, which is a village in the city of Carlisle overlooking the Solway Firth in Cumbria. Some people think it's an overexposed image of Jim's wife standing with her back to the camera, but some UFO ufologists, if that's how you pronounce it, ufologists, ufologists. Uh, some ufologists think it's, it's, it's an alien. It could be an alien. It's in a spacesuit. I can share it, or you can Google it and see what you think it might be. I think many of you who are into potentially paranormal photography will have most probably seen it before. I'd seen it before, but I didn't know about the story behind it, and I'd forgotten about it, and, and now I can't stop staring at it. It's scary, man. Uh, I know we've sort of deviated from Carlisle Station a little bit throughout a lot of this episode, but I hope you enjoyed some curious Carlisle stories of curious Carlisle spectres. You might want to visit Carlisle by train and have a look around the city for yourself. If you're coming from Settle, the North Yorkshire town of Settle, you can travel to Carlisle Station over the gorgeous Ribblehead Viaduct, which is a spectacular structure, which was built, well, it began to be built in 1869, and it houses the last railway line, which is the Settle-Carlisle Railway, to be constructed primarily with manual labour. It was the inspiration behind the 2016 ITV TV show Jericho starring Hans Matheson, if you've ever seen that. I have, and I was pretty into it when it aired. I really liked it, but they never did a second series, unfortunately, which I think was silly. But still, it must be somewhere. I don't know where you'd watch it. But if you find it, give it a go and say hi from me. There's a nice passage I found on communityrail.lancashire.co.uk that quotes a guy called Matthew Hyde, the editor of the 2010 Buildings of England, and it stood out to me as being something particularly pretty, and I thought it would be a nice closing statement to finish on. It reads as follows. The glory days of the Citadel Station have departed, when four English and three Scottish companies each with its own distinctive personality and livery, met under its seven-acre roof. But it is a place of romance still, especially on a winter's night when rain-streaked trains rumble in from the outer darkness, pause briefly in the great lighted room, and after a short space, vanish out of sight. A romantic image indeed. A.K. A.K. Rowling, I'm going away now to my going away place. 
Thanks for listening, everyone, and for letting us inject a bit of Northern Soul into your day. I hope you found these ghosts to be good ones, and that you were suitably entertained by them. Long live Carlisle and all who haunt her, and may her power forever compel you to never presume that I'm not going to mention Most Haunted on just about every Haunted Up North episode I release, because I probably will, and there's nothing you can do or say to make it stop. See you later. Bye! Running up that road, running up that hill, watching stranger things. <laughs>